Hey guys, welcome back to episode nine of Tackles and Turnovers. I'm your co-host Steven and I'm here with Andrew. Here with Andrew. Today we're going to be covering the AFC and we're starting with our first division and it happens to be our absolute favorite as Andrew sadly is a Dolphins fan and I root for a team that actually wins the New England Patriots. So we're going to be taking a deep dive into the AFC East today and we know that that is a division that has had significant turnover this offseason. Chief among them, obviously, Tom Brady taking his talents to Tampa. He also coaxed Rob Gronkowski out of retirement. So both those guys are now Buccaneers. The Dolphins scored a huge franchise-changing move in the first round. They actually had three first-round picks, as we've talked about before in previous episodes. Obviously, Tua Tagovailoa taking over eventually as a starting quarterback. You know, the New York Jets are still the Jets, and the Bills are quietly building uh, one of the best rosters in the NFL. So that's where we're going to kick it off today, guys, and we're going to start up there in Buffalo. Uh, Sean McDermott has been an excellent fit at head coach, really establishing his culture. They are a very tough, disciplined, uh, technique-sound team. Don't have a ton of superstars, but they have a young roster that has been bolstered by some nice, you know, veteran additions. And they swung one of the biggest trades of the offseason by getting Stefan Diggs from the Minnesota Vikings. They paid a, you know, a steep price for him, but that's a guy that's an established Pro Bowl caliber receiver. The exact type of guy that Josh Allen needs, someone that gets open. Now, my thoughts on Josh Allen have been made clear in our quarterback episode, episode eight. If you guys didn't hear, we went over all 32 starting quarterbacks. I think he's absolutely awful. But when you give him a weapon like Stefan Diggs to go along with two other veterans and John Brown and Cole Beasley, you know, all kind of these a little bit undersized guys, but great route runners, great hands. Um, you know, they actually have a pretty good wide receiving core right there. The offensive line is solid. You know, no one I would say that's a top five player at his position, but all around solid. And at running back, Devin Singletary turned out to be one of the best rookies in the NFL last year as a third round pick out of uh, FAU. So he was a local star here in South Florida. And he's a guy that's probably going to be a thousand yard rusher for his career. I think he's very underrated and is going to be a stud. And then on defense, you know, the bills they've built through the defensive line with Ed Oliver, when he's not getting arrested, he actually puts a lot of pressure on quarterbacks. Uh, Tremaine Edmonds, the middle linebacker entering his third year in the NFL. He's the guy that they're building around there. Very athletic, uh, has a brother that plays for the Steelers. Tredavious white, another first round pick that they hit on in 2017, who is one of the best corners in the NFL. Um, surprisingly the bills didn't really invest a lot on defense in the draft. They only took one guy in the second round, AJ Epinesa as a, uh, you know, depth piece there on the D line. Um, not a team that made a ton of moves in the draft, but you know, a, a roster that I think is very solid. Um, once again, they're kind of building and, and for me, it all comes down to Josh Allen. Does he take a step forward in his development? Because I think if you put, Anyone from the top half of our list, either one of our guys in our list, I think the Bills would be an absolute runaway favorite to win the AFC East. And to me, the only thing that hold, that is holding them back is Josh Allen. So, Andrew, kind of where do you see the Bills? Have, how have they done in rebuilding their team? Can Josh Allen take that year three leap? You know, he did improve slightly last year, but I mean, I think we could both say that he's definitely the weak spot on that team. And this is a division that's absolutely wide open, and it's really going to come down to what he does on the field. So where do you see the Bills uh, roster right now, and where do you, what do you see from Josh Allen for the upcoming season? Yeah, um, so, you know, for me, the biggest thing for NFL teams is obviously the quarterback position. Um, obviously, it's not the be-all, end-all, but, you know, I'm pretty sure that we all feel like it's the most, imp- the most important position in football. But – um, I think that if you go back and watch uh, or listen to, I'm sorry, listen, soon you'll be able to watch us. But, you know, uh, if you go back and listen to it, um, episode eight, uh, I'm very high on uh, Josh Allen. Uh, but really, in this case, I don't think it comes down to quarterback, man. Like, if you look at this roster, I'm sorry, if you look at this roster, it is tough, man. It's tough as nails, dude. Like, Sean McDermott is like, it, it obviously he's in his sec, uh, third year i believe um and it, it's just an unbelievable roster of no, not really anybody that's star worthy outside of stefan diggs if you believe he's a star but um tremaine edmonds obviously he's 
you know, he's going to be an up and coming star of that defense. There's no doubt about that. The guy is a physical freak. He's huge. He's fast. Can draw back in coverage. Can blitz the quarterback. Um, just an absolute stud. Um, and you know that they're able to get AJ Epinesa, who's just con- not doesn't have any superstar, you know, ability or anything, but just definitely like a very solid player there to get drafted. Um, in the second round. Um, and just, I just clearly like, I don't want to give it away, but obviously I feel like everybody who watches football should know that this is probably the top team in the FC East. Um, there's no debating that. Um, as you mentioned, Devin Singletary had a great rookie season and just to go and get Zach Moss in the third round, um, of last year's draft. I feel like if you watch tape on this guy, you know, you have you have freaking lightning with Devin Singletary, and then you bring that thunder with Zach Moss. It's going to be an amazing one-two punch there for sure. And then, you know, to have TJ Yeldon, and, you know, he's he's been in the league now for a while. So to have him kind of mentor these two young backs, I feel like it's going to be a very good um, opportunity for them. You don't really need, as I alluded to to start all of this, you know, Josh, Josh Allen um, I think is a good quarterback. Obviously, with the run game and how they're assembling their team, they don't really need Josh Allen to throw it 30 times a game. Um, But, you know, he is a first-round quarterback, um, so you expect those things from him. And, uh, you know, it's yet to be seen from him. Um, They got Jake Fromm in the fifth round, which I think is a pretty good player. I don't think he's going to turn any heads or anything, but I think he's going to be a great – you know, back up throughout the league. Um, and, you know, Duke Williams at wide receiver, I feel like is always shows you like star potential, um, but he always just gets hurt. Um, and so just a very talented team. Uh, they finished 10 and six last year, uh, just behind the New England Patriots who went 12 and four, obviously. Um, but pretty that they had a pretty good showing. Um, and, I just think that the Bills are going to be obviously the top team in the division. They're so physical. Um, Patrick DeMarco, go look at who he's blocked for. And, you know, they're guaranteed to have a thousand yard season. So, um, you know, Ed Oliver, obviously, as you mentioned, if he could stay on the field and develop, you know, what you're going to get with that Oliver. Um, so um, I'm pretty sure that's, that's everything on the Bills. Um, so we're going to go to my favorite team now, the Miami Dolphins. And, you know, I don't know. Quite obviously, it's a different story if you're alluding to last year. We started off seven and zero. You know, then we got all the pundits um, saying how how could they fucking tank and you know it's a travesty and the players should sue the organization and all this other stuff. And then you know they rattle off a few straight wins there, um, and you know they come out with a. Uh, a five and eleven record, which hello, they weren't taking that bad, obviously. That and you know, obviously the two injury helped us um kind of be able to draft Tua without being so high, anyways. And it's just great maneuverability or not, not lack thereof to get our star quarterback in Tua. We've been saying it now for a couple of years that we wanted Tua and we ended up getting him. That's gotta be an A plus move. And uh Looking at this roster, you know, I'm trying to put my homer aside. Uh, but, you know, if you look at their weapons, Devontae Parker, Preston Williams, Mike Isicki, they're all over 6'5". I don't know how you're going to cover them um, unless, you know, you get cornerbacks like um, the guy from the Patriots. I just – Stephon Gilmore, sorry. I often draw blanks. I'm sorry. But – you're not going to have many Stephon Gilmore's and, you know, as you saw Devontae Parker baptized Stephon Gilmore. Uh, but anyways, um, just, I feel like obviously the weakness there is the running game and I'm very high on Jordan Howard. Um, and then to also bring in Matt Breda, there's been a lot of talk about them not drafting a running back in the draft. I feel like instead of drafting a, I don't know if you would, I, I'll say risk for lack of a better word, but, um, to get a, a solid, established running back like Matt Breda instead of drafting a uh, young and up-and-comer, I feel like it's a definitely a good move. Um, you know, our running game was complete shit last year. Um, 
And whether you want to attribute that to, you know, Kenyon Drake or Kenyon Drake not even being there and Kalon Bellage, whatever you want to attribute to, to the offensive line, we've definitely have made moves to establish our offensive line. Now, they're all young, so we have to see what they they have to offer. But you definitely want to see a team start building in the trenches. Um, going now to the defensive side of the ball, um, you got the same thing here. You, you know, we didn't draft many defensive players other than Noah Benomini and Raekwon Davis and Curtis Weaver, but I feel like the majority of the moves obviously came in free agency uh, where we were able to get players like Kyle Van Noy, um, the big signing with Byron Jones, um, you know, Shaq Lawson, uh, Emmanuel Ogba, all these players that we were able to sign and help just round out our defense and kind of not, I don't know if filling holes is what you want to use, but they definitely helped um, just solidify that defense for sure. Um, you're not going to be able to throw the ball much on Xavier Howard and Byron Jones. Um, and, you know, with the addition of Kyle Van Noy, really finally gives us a player like we haven't had on that defense. Um, I know we've had players like Cameron Wake, but unfortunately he plays a, division, uh, a, a position where he's not necessarily able to quarterback people like – Zach Thomas used to do. And now that we have a player like Kyle Van Noy, I feel like it's going to help us immensely. Uh, we also got um, a Landon Roberts who you could, you know, further elaborate on um, from the Patriots, you know, having that connection um, with Robert Flores um, is going to be, sorry, Robert Flores, <laughs> Brian Flores. I feel like that's going to be such a big, um, big help this season. Um, no Igbenomini in the in the slot corners. Obviously, I feel like it's going to help us out a lot. Um, a very raw, talented cornerback, um, but definitely has the skills that you want at the cornerback position to never give up, to fight like hell. Um, and, you know, the ability to build on no Igbenomini is going to help a lot, especially when you have Xavier Howard and Byron Jones ahead of you. Um, so... I'm not gonna give. I'm not gonna give away. Obviously, where I th- I feel like this team belongs, but I really like this team. I'm very positive on it. Um, obviously, um, we didn't have a good season last year, but you know I feel like that's expected. And now that we have our cornerback, quarterback, um, it's definitely gonna help us. And I just you know obviously with the coronavirus, it's very, it's gonna be very difficult to forecast how we go with starting Tua or starting Ryan Fitzpatrick. And that'll be the question throughout all of the off season. And even through the season, if Fitzpatrick is a starter, we'll be asking when they're going to start Tua. Um, so I'm not really looking forward to that at all. Cause you know, I, obviously the organization knows more than the fans um, and you let them figure it out. And, you know, I feel like for the first time in a long time, you finally could have that trust in the coaching staff. So that's probably the biggest thing for me. Um, uh, I think that's that's pretty much all I have to say about the Miami Dolphins, man. I'm super excited about this team, um, and I feel like we're going to have a good finish this season. So uh, that's all I have to say about that. Yeah, I can't disagree with you, even as a Patriots fan, obviously. Um, being able to beat up on the Dolphins for 20 years has been a lot of fun. Um, but when you look at the roster, I think the Dolphins are poised to take a significant step forward. We've talked about it before that they've done really well to – bring in veterans that, you know, kind of supplement and complement what they're building um, sort of internally through the draft. Um, Christian Wilkins, a guy that they made their first pick last year, Brian Flores is guy, you know, he needs to take a step forward, um, particularly as a pass rusher. But when you add him to a front, when you have a front seven, excuse me, that now includes Van Noy, like you said, who's extremely versatile, Alandon Roberts, a good run stuffing linebacker. Uh, Raekwon McMillan was a second round pick a few years ago. You know, that's a real nice athletic, versatile linebacking core. Um, and I think what you see here is that Brian Flores is really taking a page out of his old Patriots playbook and he's built the team through the trenches and in the secondary. Um, and that's really where I think the Dolphins could shine. You know, you have two number one corners in Howard and Jones, Eric Rowe making the conversion to safety. Um, you know, he's a guy that's been around Flores for a while, dating back to his time in New England. Um, they obviously spent another first-round pick on the corner. So I think there, what they're doing is building depth to combat, you know, those passing attacks of the AFC where you want to get more DVs on the field against Patrick Mahomes, 
and Lamar Jackson and all these other offenses. Um, for me, the, the question with the Dolphins is going to be, obviously, who starts at quarterback? You know, I think they got to play it safe. There's really no reason to rush to a – you're kind of actually a little bit ahead of the timeline that you probably expected as far as the rebuild because I don't think most people would have expected that by 2020 the Dolphins could actually be discussed as a legitimate AFC's contender, but I absolutely think they are. A lot of that has to do with Tom Brady leaving and the division being open. But when you also look at the skills positions, um, I'm not a huge fan of the running backs, but I like what they have at receiver. Devontae Parker, if he's not a one-year wonder and you know continues to build off of last year, maybe he will be able to throw down on Twitter against uh, Michael Thomas. You know, uh, Alan Hearns is a guy I'm not a huge fan of, but Albert Wilson is another speedy guy that they have as an option. Um, Breida's a, a upgrade there. Um, so for me, I think the offense is still a work in progress. It's definitely, you know, been bolstered, uh, especially that offensive line. They invested a bunch of draft picks and signed some more guys there. So like I said, I think Flores is doing a great job kind of replicating what Belichick did in New England, which is build through the trenches and build the back end, kind of find that quarterback, which hopefully they did in Tua. And then they can, you know, supplement with um, free agents and continue building the skill po- uh, positions. But for me, I'm very high in the dolphins. I think they're definitely trending in the right direction. And um, you know, that's, that's um, a bit surprising considering, you know, it seemed a year ago, they were not going to win a single game and I wouldn't be surprised to see them challenging for a playoff spot. So um, things are going well in South Florida. Brian Flores is, uh, you know, really stepped up. And I think that the dolphins have bright days ahead. So, now we're going to shift to my team, and this is a team that has dominated the division for two decades, but Tom Brady's gone, Gronk's gone, Bill Belichick is getting up there in age. We have absolutely no idea what's going on at quarterback, but the New England Patriots still are a force to be reckoned with when you look at their their overall roster, still one of the best in the NFL, at least one of the best in the AFC. Um, offensively, kind of all over the place, you know, Nikhil Harry, um, was the first first round receiver Belichick ever picked. He was a massive disappointment last year. Couldn't stay healthy. Uh, never got on the same page with Tom Brady. So he has a ton of pressure to step up this off season. And, um, you know, obviously it's a little bit difficult with the coronavirus, but you know, there's been videos of him working out and such same with Mohamed Sanu, who they acquired for a second round pick last year. He really disappointed and was banged up. Julian Edelman is back. He's a, probably about 65 years old this year. I don't know how the guy withstands the punishment he takes, but you know, he had actually a very good season last year. So the wide receiver group, they're hoping for some internal improvements because they didn't really add much there. Same thing with the offensive line. The Patriots should in theory be returning the same five starters that they had last year, um, except for David Andrews, who will be back from um, he had blood clots and missed the season. So their offensive line on paper should be very good. The tight end spot, they added two rookies in the third round who I'm very excited about, Dalton Keene and Devin Asiasi. Um, you know, a, a, 10 years ago, Bill Belichick took Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez in the same draft. So a decade later, he does the same thing in the third round. Um, so I'm really excited about that to see if they can, you know, build that group up because it was absolutely atrocious last year. Uh, Sony Michelle's coming off another foot surgery. So that's a guy that, I mean, I'm not a fan of his. I think he could have been a third round pick and you wouldn't have surprised me Um, hasn't flashed anything dynamic so far, but they do have a very strong running back group Um, defensively. The Patriots did lose Van Noy. They lost a couple other guys up front. So the defensive line is going to be, you know, much different. They added some linebackers early in the draft in uh, Josh Uche and Anthony Jennings from Alabama, who I both, I like both of those players, but the strength of this team is the secondary. They have Stefan Gilmore, the reigning defensive player of the year, the McCourty twins are back. Patrick Chung is back. Uh, they drafted Kyle Duggar with their top pick in the second round. They have other guys at safety. JC Jackson is a rising corner who most people don't know about, but do not be surprised to see him get a huge contract very soon. Um, Joan- Jonathan Jones is uh, their starting slot corner, who is one of the best in the NFL, got a big contract last year. Joan Williams, their second round pick from last year, has been cross training at safety and DB. Or sorry, corner, another guy that you know, should be getting more playing time. So the youth movement is on, on the defensive side of the ball. They're kind of staying mostly the same on offense, but obviously the big question here is who is taking over for Tom Brady, who's starting the season as the Patriots starting quarterback. You have Jarrett Stidham, 
second year pro didn't play much last year, but did beat up Ryan Hoyer for the backup job. He had a lot of uh, flashes early in, in uh, his time at Baylor and Auburn, but you know, kind of fell on the draft because of a disappointing senior season. Um, speaking of Hoyer, he's the only other legitimate guy on the roster. And that's a guy that spent a lot of years as Tom Brady's backup, not exactly the most inspiring quarterback depth chart and one of the reasons they haven't been able to really bolster it is that they are an absolute salary cap hell i believe they're actually last in the nfl in salary cap space maybe less than a million dollars so for a lot of you guys who are wondering why haven't the patriots gone after cam newton or colin kaepernick or andy dalton well that's because um our salary cap is fucked so uh, Tom Brady's actually counting 13 and a half million against the cap, even though he doesn't play here. Antonio Brown is counting for another, I believe, four and a half million. So right there, there's your money for a camp for one year of Cam Newton or any of these guys. So unless something changes there, perhaps they trade Joe Tooney and free up 15 million in space. Um, it, in all likelihood, it looks like Jared Stidham's the starter this year. So, you know, Andrew, coming from a Dolphins fans perspective, you know, kind of been looking up at the Patriots and Tom Brady and Belichick and, you know, kind of those insurmountable odds for so long, kind of where, where's your view of the, the Patriots? You know, do you see some holes? Do you see, um, you know, someone that you're fearful of as a Dolphins fan in the future, any young guys, or, you know, do you see this as a team that's in transition? Well, let me tell you this until the fat lady sings, I, I'm not going to doubt this team. You still have, Bill Belichick, one of the greatest of all time. You still have uh, you still have Josh McDaniels there as an OC. So you know, are they rebuilding? Yeah, I would I would say that they're rebuilding for sure. I mean, they lost Tom Brady. You know, they lost Robert Gronkowski, but I I'm a very high believer in Jared Stidham. I don't flip flop just because he had one bad year at Auburn. I feel like he's laid down enough tape for you to know exactly how Jared Stidham's basically plays. Um, and I saw very good things from him at Auburn. Um, I'm not going to flip-flop because he had one bad year um, when that whole team was basically bad anyways. Um, so I, I like this team. Obviously, they're rebuilding. Um, their wide receivers are question mark, obviously, with – you know, just being able to add uh, Marquise Lee, who I feel like is decent, but it never really stays on the field long. Sorry. Um, obviously, their running game, I can't tell you how many times I've watched the Patriots-Dolphins game and just have seen Bill Belichick just stuff the ball down our throats. So, obviously, they have a good running game there with Rex Burkhead, my, uh, Sonny Michelle, and James White. Uh you know, no one used James White and, you know, players uh, like that, like Tom Brady did. So it'll be interesting to see exactly how Jared Stidham does. Um, hopefully he watched Tom Brady um, enough to know exactly how to. Um, but you're right. The the, the, the the DBs are definitely the strength of this team. Um, unfortunately, you can't play them all. Uh, but, you know, as defenses are training, ma- trending, maybe you can play them all. But it'll be interesting to see where I rank them. Um, as you were talking, I was struggling to see where I would rank them. And just because they, they have a strong offensive line, they have great running backs. They have, you know, Bill Belichick at the helm. Like you're not going to see them make many mistakes. You're going to see them play the Patriot way. Um, so I'm not, obviously they've fallen off a bit, you know, who's not gonna, when you lose Tom Brady, but, um, I still think it's going to be a strong football team. And, you know, obviously time will tell, but um, it's the Patriots, dude. I'm not going to, I'm not going to consider them out until they're actually out, you know? Um, so going from the perennial winners of the division to perennial bottom two, for sure, with the New York Jets, um, I'm really high on Sam Darnold. Unfortunately, his his head coach is Adam Gase. Um, you know, obviously I don't want to elaborate more on that because I'll just end up pissing myself off and I'll have a very good day today. Um, uh, their wide receivers other than Jamison Crowder are Denzel Mims and uh, Brashad Perryman. 
Obviously, we don't know anything about Denzel Mims other than he could jump up and catch the ball. Brashad Perriman's kind of been a bust up until now. Um, but Makai Becton is someone I really, really like. And every time I have to talk to somebody about the Jets, which is not often, I usually try to start off with Makai Becton as a stud. Um, especially since we started this podcast, I feel like I need to try to be a little bit more open-minded to teams. Um, but unfortunately, it can't happen because they're the Jets. Um, but I think this I, – I feel like Joe Flacco is kind of a very, like, hilarious signing there just because um, Sam Darnold actually hasn't been able to play a full season yet. Um, you know, we've – you know, we've seen him d- deal with mono last year, and then I believe it was like an ankle issue or something like that but the year before. Um, but Sam Darnold obviously has enough throws where you could see the talent. Um, he makes enough plays. Obviously, he had the quote that, you know, he was seeing ghosts last year, which was hilarious. Um, and as a Dolphins fan, I'll never let him live that one down. Um, but, you know, it's funny. I was actually talking to a Jets fan yesterday, and I'm just I was just reminiscing on all the good players that the Jets used to have on defense and you know <laughs> Leonard Williams obviously like he wasn't good or anything with if you look at his numbers but you know in terms of fucking the play up like I felt like he was a good mix with this team um with Quentin Williams obviously he's a good player so basically what I'm trying to say is that it's a very like it's come a very far away where, where I used to look at the Jets' defense as one of the be- better pl- uh, defensive units in the league. Um, and now I look at them and, you know, it's a far cry. Like, you have obviously you have bright young players like Quentin Williams and Jamal Adams, who I get will definitely get into. Um, but that's it, dude. I know, I know C.J. Mosley got signed last year, but I think he was he was hurt, so he didn't get to play much. Um, I like Jabari Zuniga from uh, from UF, so I thought that was a good draft. Um, but, you know, it's the Jets. I don't want to go too long on it. I like the Frank Gore signing. Um, I guess we could start on Jamal Williams as, as I end my soliloquy on the Jets and as you begin yours. Um, I feel like as a coach, I feel like I have to speak on what I feel about Jamal Adams and – you know, I feel like he's a great player, um, obviously very skilled. I know he's, like, the first player to have, like, 250 tackles, 10 sacks, and, like, what, like 20 pass breakouts or something like that, um, which is a very – like, I Jamal Adams is a great player. I'm not saying anything about that. But in terms of mentality, I feel like it sets a lot of young players back when you teach players to go from a – you know, if your team is struggling, like, what are you supposed to do? Are you supposed to just button up your trend strap and get to work and try to find the way to, like, improve your team? Or are you just supposed to wave the white flag and quit on them and demand a trade? Like, it just sets a very bad precedence for, um, you know, young, inspiring athletes. And, you know, as rugby players, you know, you see it. You know, Steven, I'm pretty sure you could elaborate more, man. Like, we aren't necessarily groomed to want to quit and jump bait like we go we go into practice every day we bust our ass off and that's not to say jamal adams doesn't but you could see it he quit dude like i don't know like i know you want to get paid um but you know he rattled off seven of the best teams in the nfl that all made the playoffs last year except i don't know why he thinks the texans are so good but whatever um so he rattled all those teams off and you know like it just sets a bad precedence for young players like you don't want to have that mentality of this team sucks why would i want to join them or anything like that you want to be able to go into a team work hard and make the team better yourself like teams are not going to pay extremely high amounts of money for jamal adams especially the seven teams that you saw him list none of those teams overspend for players so you know, it's it's clear that Jamal Adams does not have his head on straight in terms of wanting to be traded. Maybe he has, like, some kind of vendetta against uh, Joe Douglas or the Jets' front office, but um, that's just how I feel. I mean, I'm all four players getting their money, obviously, but you, you have two years left on that contract, and unfortunately, dude, you play DB. You don't play quarterback. Um, you don't play running back. You don't play wide receiver. You're a defensive back, and they don't get paid much. 
and it's you know it is what it is that's how the cap works um and that's basically all i have to say on the jets i mean i don't know how you feel about it um i like i i kind of like the direction that they're heading in um but again they just they're the jets so they deal with these kinds of things year in and year out yeah i definitely agree as far as Jamal Adams not being worth that price tag, I saw a tweet just a little while ago that one team that's considering, uh, you know, looking into him or whatnot said that he could be looking for $20 million a year. Like he basically wants to be paid as one of the top paid defensive players overall. And when you look at um, the NFL contract landscape, I believe there are only about five guys on defense that make $20 million or more per year. And all of those guys are pass rushers. So that pretty much tells you um, the value um, of the safety position when you consider the fact that the highest paid safety on an annual basis is Eddie Jackson for the Bears, who makes about $14.6 million per season. Uh, they have a couple other guys that check in at that $14 million mark, Tyron Matthew, Landon Collins, and Kevin Bayard. So you're talking about Jamal Adams, who currently makes about $5.5 million a season, I believe somewhere around there, with a couple years left on his deal. He wants to essentially quadruple his salary almost, at least triple it, which I think is absolutely insane when you play strong safety. I don't care how good of a safety you are. I don't even think you could have ever valued Troy Polamalu or Ed Reed at $20 million a year being the highest paid player on your team. I just don't think a safety impacts the game in that manner. Uh, I think a cornerback has far more influence on a game where he could take out an entire side of the field or take out the best receiver on another team. I love Jamal Adams because he can do a lot of different things, but he is not worth $20 million a year. Consider the fact that the team that trades for him that will have to give him a new contract will also have to give up significant draft capital to get a guy like that back. You're probably talking at least a one first round pick. I would guess it would be multiple picks, probably a first and a third, somewhere like that, plus a huge contract. It makes absolutely no sense to invest that much in a safety. And when you look at Jamal Adams, you know, stats don't tell everything. But the guy has two interceptions in his entire career, and he's played 46 games in the NFL so far. Um, I'm sorry. As a safety, you need to make more <coughs> plays on the ball than that. Yes, he does rush the passer well for a safety, but I'm not paying $20 million for a safety to get four or five sacks a year. Like, I need guys that make plays on the ball that change the game, and I'm sorry. The Jets' defense just really hasn't been anything to speak of. Now, that's not all on Adams, but – Ultimately, I just don't see the value in that position adding up to that level. Um, and then when you look at the rest of the Jets team, if we're kind of taking that bigger picture view, um, like like you said, I, I do like the direction they're heading on offense. I like their draft. Makai Becton has the most upside physically of any tackle, and the offensive line needed significant help. They also spent um, another you know, decent pick, a fourth rounder on Cameron Clark uh, as a guard. Denzel Mims, Brashad Perryman, Jameson Crowder. Um, I'm not very excited about Sam Donald's future. If you told me those are his starting wide receivers, Le'Veon Bell, we discussed, you know, in a previous episode when they brought in Frank Gore. Um, I think the Le'Veon Bell signing was a massive mistake. I think that paying any running back huge money is a mistake. And, Overall, I'm not super high on their offense. Their defense, where I see them lacking, is that they don't really have um, impact pass rushers. The defensive line is, you know, they play a 3-4 scheme. Quinton Williams was very disappointing as a rookie last year. You know, a lot of people thought that he should have been the first overall pick, and he just didn't live up to the hype at all. He really was a one-year wonder at Alabama when you look at it. And maybe the fact that he wore braces played a part of it because I can't respect the dude that wears braces. Um, But, and then you look at the rest of their roster. I mean, Marcus May at safety next to Adams, solid. You know, they both entered the NFL the same year, 2017. Um, But, I mean, tell me who's locking down a number one receiver at corner on that team. I mean, there's just nobody there that inspires me. Adam Gase doesn't inspire me. He actually inspires me to stop watching football sometimes. (laughs) Um, So I'm very low on the Jets. I mean, yes, they actually had a decent record when you consider all the injuries they had last year, but I can never get behind a team that has Adam Gase as its head coach or an offensive coordinator with the name Dowell 
logins because <laughs> I don't I, I, that feels like something that was generated by my computer when you make a password or something. I mean, um, I mean, at this point, you could have put McLovin as the OC and I would have found it more believable that he actually coached in the NFL. So um, I'm very down on the Jets. And as far as Jamal Adams, I don't see any reason that a team should pay the asking price and give him a new contract. I think this is a situation where ultimately he will get moved because it seems like he's really dug in. Um, you know, they're on opposite sides of the fence. So however you want to put it, uh, I think it's gone too far now, but I have absolutely no idea what team is going to do it. I, I would venture to say it has to be a, a playoff caliber team, but then... it definitely it definitely won't be the seven teams that he named. That he's out no. of his goddamn mind. I just don't think he's that gonna he's go going to one of those to, teams. Yeah, he's not going to get the money that he wants. I mean, I mean, I'm throwing random teams out there, like maybe some that could make sense. Um, I mean, I'd have to look at the the salary cap, um, right? But I, I mean, I'm even thinking like a team like the Arizona Cardinals that is kind of like this like young up and coming trending team. They have a cool young head coach. They have Kyler Murray. They have some star power. They have Hopkins. Like, you know, they obviously need, like, a playmaker on defense. Maybe that's a team that could look at them. But then you look at the cap space, and they have, like, $7 million in cap space. So that would be really hard to to fit them under there. Um, that's really the main issue for me is just not really seeing how a, a team is going to be able to fit a guy like that under. When you look at um, the top – top teams by cap space i'm just reading them off you know you let me know what you think i mean number one the browns you got the redskins the lions the dolphins the Bengals, the colts the eagles the chargers hold on you said the browns have a bunch of cups they are still number one in the nfl in cap wow i mean you consider you consider a team like that i mean that's a team where you say that roster might be a, a impact player away from actually living up to the hype now that's a situation where I don't think any players ever actually requested to get traded to Cleveland. And I was just about to say, <laughs> dude, I hope that he gets the 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 like the death case of getting traded to the Browns. But you know, obviously, it still could be a thing because ob- they have great players on paper. Don't get me wrong. Exactly, they're they're the Browns year in and year out, dude. And you know, last year was kind of more of the same uh, when everybody thought that they would be good. And, you know, it's the same thing this year, dude. They're, they're paper warriors, dude. They have one of the strongest teams on paper, um, but you have to play on the pitch, dude. And, um, you know, I just – if Jamal Adams ends up going to the Browns, it'll just be so – like, with, with them having Jarvis Landry, with them having Odell Beckham, like, that'll be the biggest, like, disappointment ever in terms of, like, players that have shit mentalities when it comes to being on losing teams, um, it, it would just suck. It would really just suck. Yeah, you know? I agree. I mean, I, I think it would be – it makes sense as far as, like, you know, all these young stars wanting to play together, and you could see it happen. But, uh, I mean, I just highly doubt it. Um, there's a couple other teams that I could consider being logical fits or, like, fits that I think would seem kind of cool. Um, there's one team here. I know this has kind of gone into a little Jamal Adams, you know, rant or discussion at the end of our AFC's podcast, but you know, he's still in the division for now. Um, a couple yeah. teams and that stand out it's to me. It's the off season, bro. We're starving for news. So yeah, why not? at this point, I mean, we're <laughs> okay. So here are a couple teams that I see that are in the top 10 in cap space that are playoff caliber teams that could take a chance on them. Now, these are my two teams that really stick stick out. And one of the first one is because they have a very aggressive general manager who we know has no problem trading uh, draft picks for players or making moves. That would be the Philadelphia Eagles. All right. So they're actually at number seven in cap space with a, about $22.7 million. All right. That's a team that definitely needs more playmakers on the back end. Um, I think we could agree on that. They have an excellent defensive line. I mean, it's just absolutely stacked when you really look at it. Um, but when you look at the safety spot, they have Rodney McLeod and Jalen Mills. Um, nothing really, you know, awesome there. And, you know, they did acquire Darius Slay. So when you think of that, you know, they've already kind of invested a big um, – I get, you know, they, they invested big in Darius Slay to be their number one corner. Why don't you go right. out and add the best safety in the game, arguably? You know, I guess you could 
make a, a case for someone else. But, I mean, Jamal Adams is definitely up there in the top five. You add that to the back end, and you add Darius Slay and Jamal Adams in one offseason, you certainly have the money to do it. You have no problems there. Um, that gives you a dynamic playmaker on the back end to complement that that front seven with that defensive I line. Think you're, I, I think you're – I think you're – sorry – I think you're definitely onto something there. And, yeah. you know, especially the Eagles are definitely one of those teams that are on his top yeah. seven teams, and they, I guess. And, and the Eagles, we know, have no uh, – like I said, they, they are very aggressive um, as far as, like, acquiring players, and they make a lot of moves with big names. So I have – I could definitely see that happening. And the, the I guess the other team that I want to talk about that I could see that being a fit, and this is more from just, like, a – fun football standpoint, the Los Angeles Chargers. And the reason I say that is because you could then pair Derwin James with Jamal Adams. And I think that would be absolutely amazing to watch. I mean, those are two guys that literally could do anything on a football field. They probably could play uh, for sure. Wide receiver, running back, corner, safety, linebacker. I mean, these guys could do anything. I think that would be a really cool um pairing that I would like to see happen. Um, the Chargers have no issues with cap space. Um, again, they're a team that could – I mean, when you look at their roster outside of quarterback, they have a very good roster, very good receivers, solid offensive line. They have a very good defensive line with Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram. Um, they added Linville Joseph. On the back end, they have Derwin James, Chris Harris, who they added this offseason, and Casey Hayward. Now, imagine you flip a first and a third – next year and you sign him to a long-term deal Jamal Adams seems like a dude that would have no problem playing out in Los Angeles and being a superstar out there Um, him and Darwin James I mean dude I mean just imagine like the highlights that those two are going to put up next to each other the big hits the interceptions like that's a that honestly I'm talking myself into it if I'm the Chargers I would definitely consider making that trade Um, they have a very good roster on hand they obviously took Justin Herbert first uh, in the first round now if you could add the most dynamic playmaking safety outside of Derwin James next to Derwin James, I think you got to go for it. Yeah. And, you know, I, I agree with you there with the cheat with the chargers. I'm sorry. Um, I just, I'm coming from the mindset of not wanting to show this as an example on how you become a player in not just football in any sport where it's not okay for me. And I don't know if I'm being that, you know, Hey kids, get off my lawn, guy. But um, I just I don't appreciate players when they go off on their teams not being good, um, especially if you are you yourself are a star player. And you know, with defensive backs, people just don't pay safeties. You, they pay corners, but um, you're not a corner, dude. You're a safety, and you know I don't know. I don't I don't watch Jamal Adams enough to know if he could play corner, if he wants to do that switch like um Jalen Ramsey did, I feel like I know earlier on in his career he played safety at FSU um and now plays corner and is one of the highest paid corners. But I just it would be fun to see that. You're right. I just don't want to see a player get rewarded rewarded for having that kind of mentality and being blessed by going to a better situ- situation, you know, whether um, it is the Browns because they have the most cap space or if it's the Chargers or the Eagles, like you mentioned. Um, but, you know, the Eagles are on that list. Everything you said about the Eagles and Jamal Adams makes sense. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if the Eagles pull the trigger on that. Um Obviously, it'll tell us whether the Eagles think they're in win-now mode because they would have to give up a – I feel like they would have to at least give up a second round at the very least, you know, if they're not getting a first round pick. Uh, So um, I guess that's enough for Jamal Adams. Um, And, you know, I guess I can start with my rankings uh, of the AFC East. Um, And you let me know if I'm going crazy or if you agree or disagree or whatever it is. Um, so, obviously, I have the Buffalo Bills at number one. No shock there. As we mentioned, Sean McDermott has built one of the toughest, badasses teams in the NFL. Um, and then number two, as I kind of alluded to it as I was going over the Miami Dolphins and the New England Patriots, it's tough to see who goes where. Um, 
if I'm playing it safe, I'm going Patriots, but I don't want to hedge my bet. So I'm going to go Patriots at two. And uh, I'm going to go Dolphins three. And I feel like this is probably going to be the one of the better divisions in football. Um, you know, just with the Bills being so good and the teams like the Dolphins being on the come up and not knowing necessarily where the Patriots are going to be. But, you know, they have Bill Belichick, so I just can't – I struggle to put them at third in the, the division. Like, I just – something in my brain is telling me to not do that. So, um, I'm going Dolphins three – and then obviously Jets four. Um, I don't really want to talk more about the Jets. Um, you can understand why we have the Jets at four if you look at it from you know a football standpoint. Um, so let me know what you think about that. Yeah, I um, mostly agree with you, but as a lifelong Patriots fan and with Bill Belichick still there and the defense still there, until I see it happen, I'm not picking against them. Uh, so I'm going to go Patriots at one. I totally agree with Buffalo. I think they're number two and they're, they are definitely going to be a playoff team. Um, for me, like I said, it all comes down to how far they go is determined by Josh Allen. Number three, I'm going dolphins. I think that the dolphins, depending on the quarterback situation, you know, who knows if Tua is going to start or if he will at some point. I think the Dolphins will be very competitive when you look at how they finished the second half of the season and the upgrades they've made this offseason. I don't see any way that they finish any worse than maybe like a 7-9 and nine type of team, 8-8, eight and eight, I think is very realistic. And I think then the following year in 2021 with another draft class, another free agent class, and Tua hopefully taking over healthy, I think the Dolphins – uh, could be the team to beat in 2021. I think in 2020, they're definitely going to be very competitive. That's kind of like my view of the Dolphins. They could definitely be in that swing mix for a wild card spot. But, I mean, anything less than seven or eight wins, I think, is a disappointment for them. Uh, and that would obviously leave the New York Jets in last. They have the worst head coach by far in the division. Um, I think that's actually one thing that this division is very strong on is in the other three teams – Belichick obviously being the king, but Brian Flores and Sean McDermott are two of the better young head coaches or guys that have kind of been in their their position for just a few years. Um, and Adam Gase is absolutely horrible. And I think that's where the Jets um, are going to really feel the pain this year is that that coaching gap, I think, is going to be huge. I think Brian Flores is is easily going to be the most successful coach to come out of Bill Belichick's tree. Um, you know, McDaniels obviously has done well as the offensive coordinator, but did badly when he was a head coach with the Broncos, Charlie Weiss never lived up to the hype. Romeo Cornell never lived up to the hype. Eric Mangini never lived up to the hype. Matt Patricia is horrible as we've discussed on previous episodes. Uh, so for me, it's just like, when you look at Brian Flores, I think he has the attitude. He connects with the players. He speaks up, he's disciplined, he's tough. He played, uh, college football. And I think he's the guy that's going to really put the pressure on Belichick and the Patriots, which is, you know, understandable. He spent almost his entire, you know, career in the NFL in New England before he went to the Dolphins. So this is a guy that knows the Patriots system in and out, knows how Bill Belichick thinks. Um, I think that's going to be a really fun matchup to watch over the next few years. And who knows, maybe Bill Belichick's son will take over as head coach and it will just continue, which is a real possibility. Um, and besides that, I think uh, the the Jets just don't have an offense that I think can keep up with, you know, in games. I just don't see how Sam Darnold has the right weapons. The offensive line is a work in progress. They don't have any star players on defense other than Jamal Adams, who most likely will be gone by the time the season starts. So for me, I think the Jets are easily in last place. And I think the other three teams, you could make a very compelling case for each one uh, to make the playoffs. And ultimately, I think the Dolphins, uh, sorry, the Patriots and Bills will make the playoffs. And I think the Dolphins will be in the hunt, but ultimately it might be one more year. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I definitely think the top, the top three teams, obviously, um, I feel like they could more so the Dolphins and the Patriots, I feel like, uh, have the ability to swap two and three, um, but it's definitely going to be a very interesting season. I feel like this year, hopefully it is. 
Um, as you can probably tell, I'm trying to like temper my expectations uh, for the Dolphins. Uh, I'm actually very positive on them. I'm just trying to play even keel here. Um, but it's definitely going to be interesting to see. Um, and I, I think that basically wraps it up for episode number nine. I don't Absolutely. Know. So um, it was awesome to talk with you about the AFC East. I know that we're rivals, but we also are friends and we can both see, th- see things, you know, kind of objectively through that football coaching lens. And I think there's no doubt that the AFC East has, improved tremendously you know it kind of was the easy division for the Patriots to win for years and years and years but you know the the quality of head coaches in the AFC East I think has just improved tremendously by leaps and bounds and that's even with the Jets keeping Adam Gase in the division so maybe after one more bad year the Jets will kind of come to their senses and find someone else and, you know, moving forward, I think it's going to be a very competitive division, which is exciting for all of us, you know, kind of not knowing how it's going to play out. I think you could make a case for all four teams to finish in first place if you really boiled it down. I mean, if Sam Darnold lived up to his potential and, you know, it gets some help at receiver with Denzel Mims, the rookie, I think they're I mean, when you look at how the Jets performed last year, they weren't that far off from the rest of the division. Um, so. And then obviously the Dolphins, if Tua is just magically healthy and kind of like shows his um, talent that he did at Alabama, I mean, there's a very easy case to say that the Dolphins have improved enough on, you know, defense and and with that quarterback upgrade that they could win. Um, Let's say Jared Stidham, you know, fits in seamlessly because the Patriots haven't tried to really address the position. You know, they have pretty much the rest of the same roster intact outside of a couple losses on defense, but they still have easily the best secondary in the NFL, a very good offensive line, and the best head coach. You can make a case that they're going to win the division again. And then Buffalo, you would probably say that they have the fewest weaknesses of any team, although their one weakness is at quarterback. Now, can a very stout defense, a smart head coach, a good running game, and strong offensive line kind of mask that? kind of like what the San Francisco 49ers did with Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, And if so, I think you could see the Buffalo Bills taking the division. Uh, So, you know, that's the the great part about the AFC this year is that it's so wide open. There are a lot of guys that have to prove themselves. We have some strong head coaches. So that's going to be a great battle to see, um, you know, on Sundays. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how this division plays out, not only this year, but moving forward, because it's been the Patriots division for 20 years. And I'm a Patriots fan, but it's actually kind of exciting to, to consider the fact that nothing is guaranteed anymore. Tom Brady's not here. Gronk is not here. Uh, this is a new era for not only the Patriots, but for the AFC East as a whole. The Dolphins are embarking on a new era. The, the Bills have been building towards this. And the Jets, well, we have no idea what they're doing. So um, <laughs> thanks again for joining us on Episode 9 of Tackles and Turnovers. Please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram subscribe to all of our uh, listening platforms. We're on Spotify, Apple podcasts. I think we're on Google podcasts, anchor, anything you can think of. Uh, Leave us comments about how we're doing or how do you see the AFCs playing out? And we'd love to hear from you guys and check back in next week for episode 10.